Hello, this is Bill Itell for some wisdom for your walk. A little wisdom for your walk here, a little short five minutes to ten minute podcast will help you. Give you some key truth. Do not be deceived by the shortness of some of these. They have taken many, many years of walking with God to figure out and learn, and some discipline also. So I share them with you freely. Hopefully you get them, and it makes a difference in your life and the way you walk. Uh, I want to go to a subject today of psychobabble. It's been called um, psychology. There are hundreds and hundreds of books. Uh, written on counseling, uh, how to be a good wife, how to be a good husband, how to be a good parent, how to be a good worker, how to do this, how to do that. And, you know, one day after looking at all these books, and reading quite a few of them, and realizing how complicated they made living. I mean, it just made living extremely complicated. I mean, sometimes you learn that psychobabble, that psychology, Christian psychology is called oftentimes... And pretty soon you got so many lists you're trying to follow, you can't remember whether you're breaking this list or not doing that. And you're walking basically around eggs with people, afraid to say anything uh, that may, they may get offended by or not like or this or that, the other thing, uh, losing your temper in any way. And, and all of that, some of that, some of that's good. But the truth of the matter, I got thinking, contemplating. Whatever happened, how in the world did the parents uh, in the 20s and 30s ever raise their kids, 1920s and 30s. How'd they ever raise their kids? I mean, they didn't have all these tools. They didn't have the internet. They didn't have smartphones. They had uh, one-room schools. For the, If you got to go to school, you got a one-room school, and there'd be 100 kids in one class. And you got to ask yourself, number one, okay, so let's stop right here. How do you have 100 children taught by one person? There's only one answer, discipline. The children must have a fear of discipline. They must have a fear of authority to where when the teacher speaks, it's law. And everybody would be quiet, sitting in their seats, minding their own business, and ready to learn. They had to be in a teachable environment. How do you establish a teachable environment with 100 students? Now, today, that would be absolutely absurd, unheard of. They would tell you... Teachers' unions would tell you you got to have small classes to be effective. But the truth of history is different. You did not have to have small classes to be effective. My dad went to a one-room school. My mom went to a one-room school. My, they had about 100 students in it with one teacher. You could hear a pin drop. She talked. She taught different grade levels. People, The kids listened. They were disciplined up in front of the whole class, publicly shamed by being spanked if they were out of order. Then they got to go home, and parents spanked them when they got home. Parents did not challenge the reasons or authority of the teacher. They trusted the teacher. And they knew the teacher's reputation and supervision and based their knowledge on that and believed that the child was guilty if the teacher said so and that he deserved what he got or she deserved what he got. They did not challenge authority in that area. They cooperated with that authority, and they got a tremendous outcome. That generation that the people in the 20s and 30s raised was called the greatest generation. That was your World War II generation. That was the people, the CCC camps and 
the WPA camps where they built, you know, all about all of our national parks that you go to today. Those roads and everything were built by those men. Uh, the bridges that we drive over, for the most part in America, were built by that generation. The roads that we drive on, for the most part, were built by the generation uh, that were born in the 20s and 30s, paid for by them, by the way. Hoover Dam, uh, built by them. Other dams, built by them. Tennessee Electric and all these other areas, a tremendous amount of work. Man, they accomplished a lot in America, that group born in the 20s and 30s. And then they went to war with the, some of the superpowers of the world, Japan and Germany, and slugged it out with them. And it's been said the way we beat, and we know God gives victory in this, but the way we won World War II was simply we outmanufactured and out uh, outworked the Germans and the Japanese. Now, we know God was in all that. But between our manufacturing facilities of Ford, Chrysler, and GM, they were putting out tanks every day, B-52, B-17, B every day. They were putting out guns, ammunition. We simply out, uh, out-supplied them, and then our men were willing to die for something they never would enjoy. They were willing to die for others. You never met a greater generation that was willing to lay their life down for just simply other people, and not receive the benefit. Absolutely not receive the benefit. That's a great generation. Now, we all have been born as our children in the 40s, 50s, and 60s, 70s, are highly grateful, should be highly grateful for what they donated, what they did, what they worked, what they disciplined themselves to do, what they risked for us, because we've been enjoying the greatest area of prosperity, time of prosperity in the history of the world, probably, in America, since the 50s all the way through to today, 2021. We drive across their bridges, drive on their roads, uh, get electricity from the dams they built, uh, use the state, use the national parks that they ordered, they put together and uh, built roads in so you can see the beautiful stuff. Now, that's just the tip of the iceberg. How did all that happen without psychology, without the Internet, without all the psychobabble and touchy-feely uh, information that they did not have. What I find today is the first time parents have children begin to have a little trouble with them, they go to the library or they go to the local Christian bookstore and they start buying books on counseling, books on how to raise children, books on what we would call psychobabble, which incorporates some of psychology and some of the Bible put together. The trouble with the Bible part's fine. Problem is the psychology part. The psychology part causes you to introspect and over-introspect and re-introspect and double-introspect and triple-introspect and have all these rules, very complex rules of engagement uh, with your children, with people around you, to where you can't even remember the list, much more do it. And the Bible's just not, you know, I've read the Bible a few times, and I've been through this this a few times, and I can just tell you that uh, that just don't jive. That just doesn't jive with the Word of God. In the Second Peter chapter uh, one verse three, it says, "According as His divine power hath given unto us all, a l l, all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge that's experiential knowledge of Him that hath called us to glory and virtue." And then it goes on in a tremendous uh, uh, listing from verses four through ten. Of what, what those things are and what, what we need to do. 
And in verse 10, it summarizes, Wherefore, rather, brethren, be diligent to make your calling and election sure, that is, if you do the things above this, for if you do these things, you shall never fall. Now, these things are spiritual virtues, one tied to the other, and it lists them there between verses 3 and verse 10. You can look them up yourself. That's not what this is for. What I want to draw your attention to on this podcast is, look, put your psychology books down, put your counseling books down. Marriages will be in trouble coming to my office, and the first thing they'll tell me is, what kind of counseling can you recommend us to? They've come into a preacher that's been saved for over 50 years, read his Bible, went to school, sought God, walked with God, has accountability to a deacon board in a whole church, and they come to him and ask him, who can you, what psychologist can you tell us to go to? What, what's that, what counseling psychologist can help us? Rather than saying, preacher, what's the Bible say? What's the Bible say? The preacher's got the answer. Now, he may, not be, he may not be able to wind it out like uh, some people can wind it out, but he, what, a, what a good preacher will do is he'll point you back to the Bible. That's what they don't want. Why? It involves work. It involves them, the parents, reading the Bible, seeking God's face, looking for God, and doing what verses 4 through 9 tell in 2 Peter chapter 1. Go back and read them. I don't want to read them for you because I want you to go back and read them. 2 Peter chapter 2, chapter 1, excuse me, verses 4 through 9. Now, folks, I, I love you. I've given my life uh, as a study of the Bible and, and helping people. And I can tell you the answer for all your problems, raising children, being married, being a good employee, being a good citizen of the United States, being part of the greatest generation is in the Bible. Because that's what those boys were raised on in the 20s and 30s. They were raised on the principles, even if they weren't Christian. Their parents were so influenced by the turn of the century, Billy, uh, some of those preachers back there, Billy Sunday and others, D.L. Moody, uh, Gypsy Smith, and all them at the turn of the century. They were so influenced by Christianity that their blood almost ran biblene, that the philosophy of the day was biblical. So the discipline of life the, the, the work ethic of hard, honest work, don't steal from another. I can prove it by just a few things. My mom and dad always bought a new, when they bought a new car, they put the key in it, never took it out, never locked the doors, never had an alarm. Our house had skeleton keys, was built in the 1800s. The lock, none of the locks worked. We, we always went to bed every night with our doors unlocked. We had a business in the back, and they never locked it. There's nobody in the realm of knowledge I had. I go into a school of over 3,000 people. And I never knew anybody that was divorced. Uh, how did those people stay married, have children, not become thieves? Uh, how could a neighborhood be that safe? This was just a, this was a town of fifty thousand people, country. But I mean, it was it was representative of America. Ask yourself the question: How can that happen? It happens when people take the Bible, learn the Bible, apply the Bible to their lives. That's the society the Bible will create, and that's a great place to live. That is a great place to live in a society where the Bible is powerful and its influence is powerful. That doesn't mean everybody's saved. Would they? Would the God they would have been? But they took the Bible principles and applied them to their life. You know, honesty and integrity and uprightness and don't hurt your neighbors and do unto those you'd have them do unto you. That doesn't mean somebody's saved when they do those things. 
But saved people do them, but also unsaved people can take those things and, and use them, and they did. So there's the answer. You got trouble, you got marital trouble, all these other kind of trouble I mentioned, go to the Bible. I mean it. It's, it's oversimplistic, but it's the truth. Start with the New Testament. Read it five, six times this year. Read it five, six times next year. Read it five, six times next year and the next year. And let me tell you something. Your mind and your countenance is going to change. Read the Old Testament with it every year, at least one time. And your countenance and, and God will penetrate you to the place where you'll know the answers on everything you come up against. Uh, you're going to be able to go to the Bible and say, here's what the Bible says I ought to do in this case. I hope this helps you. Wisdom for your walk. May God bless you, keep you, cause his face to shine upon you, and give you peace. Bill Lytell, God bless.